Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey folks, the following is a free preview of the Bob Seska Show After Party Podcast with me and Kimberly Johnson. If you like what you hear, please consider supporting our Patreon page for $10 per month at BobSeskaShow.com. Oh, and warning. The after party is definitely not safe for work. Let us pray. What about the dwarf? Worthless. Cut his throat. Wait, 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 wait. Let's discuss this. And then chop off his cock. We'll sell it for a fortune. The dwarf's cock has magic powers. Wait, 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 wait. You, you can't just hand a dried cock to a merchant and expect him to pay for it. He has to know it came from a dwarf. And how could he know? Unless he sees the dwarf. It will be a dwarf-sized cock. Guess again. Welcome to the after party. Girl your hand around a frosty glass of vodka. This is the Bob Seska Show. The after party. The Bob Seska Show. Thought we were in the... Down the same road to share destination, you never showed. I stood in the doorway, many hours to the same. Uh, the assumption. with your name New York City But you never came I think this might be my favorite song right now. My favorite song of like the last uh, few weeks, at least. This is uh, Bob Bob Bradshaw. It's another Bob. Bob. Bob Bradshaw. The assumptions we make from American Echoes. That's the name of the album. Link in the description below. That's the after party. Hi, May 10, 2019. Day 841 of the Trump crisis. Day 3 of the constitutional crisis. Day 543 until the 2020 presidential election. 32 years ago was my prom. 32 years ago was your prom? Yeah. 
right? So, but 32 plus 18 is 50, right? <laughs> you're so old. I know. So, old. We're so old. 32 years ago today, I met Bill. Oh, Bill. <laughs> crazy, coked up Bill with his crazy robot dance. His and crazy. His extremely ginormously long dick. <laughs> I, I, I had I took a picture while I was asleep and it was so big I showed it to my girlfriend and she's like oh my god it looks like it's got an extension on it <laughs> I wish I still had it because he was really skinny he was like a skinny teen man why, boy. Why, did it, why did it look like he had an extension I don't know. on it, it was just, it, it looked two different really, colors he was dreaming. or something oh, I don't okay. know he was having a happy and that makes it look like his dick has an uh, extension it looked extra long right, did you check to make sure it wasn't an extension <laughs> did you give it a yank like Santa Claus's beard Like I gave it a pull and he didn't wake up. But I'm assuming what what he had like a a, a two colored dick. Like it or, goes up. Yeah, it was probably all miscolored. But you know, he, did, he didn't. He, he wasn't you're... the brightest bulb, and I should have known when I very first met him when I was like 15 years old. I had this huge crush on him because he yeah. was really cute. He was tall and blonde, and he just looked like a surfer kid. And he looked just like this guy. And if you go watch that uh, Huey Lewis video, hip, what, what what's that Huey Lewis? Oh, video? the power of love. He was in the. No, no, it's the other one. What's that? I have to go look for it. I want a new drug. No, it was the heart of rock and roll. Heart of rock and roll. Okay. It was a black and white video. <laughs> and right. so there's this do guy. You like, do you like Huey Lewis in the news? <laughs> uh, there's this guy who's got like blonde hair, and he's just in it for a second. And and I I thought it was so Bill, right. and so I went up to him. <laughs> And I said, hey, are you in that Huey Lewis video? And he just, he looked at me all vacant. He went, I don't know. I don't know. I should have known then. But three years later, I met him at prom. He wasn't sure whether or not he was in a music video (laughs) by a major 1980s recording artist. But he was cute. Maybe. Maybe I was. Maybe I wasn't. And he had a dick that looked like had an, had like an extension on it. So what you're saying, it, was, it wasn't a dwarf-sized cock, is what you're saying. No. Okay. Excuse me for coughing. I have allergies, so pardon right. me if I cough. I'm going to cough. Well, next time, you know what? You can take a picture of my dick whenever you want. You don't have to sneak around. I'm just saying. Not that there's anything remarkable. It doesn't look like I have an extension on my dick. I'm not going to tell people about your dick. Sad to say. You can tell them I'm not. It's well, not my place. I, we've already talked about how I have a curved dick. It's and, like a and banana a, dick. And apparently this is like, this is a serious <laughs> you problem. A, you have a banana dick. What? <laughs> Touching it. In fact, it's Wait, yellow. You know what? You should like, it's for yellow. Halloween, yeah, for Halloween you should paint it yellow uh-huh. and just walk around <laughs> that's like, a great that's idea. like a banana. That's right. That's you all. I'll just go to my dad's house. <laughs> Knock on the door. Uh, why are you not dressed up as anything, Bob? Oh, wait, Ken, you didn't see my dick. It's I've got my dick dressed up like a banana. <laughs> a banana. But watching MSNBC is giving me a complex these days because it's all, a whole bunch of commercials about how if you have a curved dick, you got to go see a doctor if you've got a curved dick. I never knew. I realized that was actually a thing. You know, my mom had told me a long time ago, you know, as an adult, but you know, she, my grandmother was only with one man. Yeah. And so she asked my mother, she knew my mom was mo- with more than one man. And she, she's like, are men different? Mm. And my mom's like, well, yeah. And she said, you know, there's different sizes. And she goes, I was with one man who had a curved penis and my grandma couldn't fucking get over it. She was like a sweet little Catholic woman. So she, she just like couldn't believe that penises could be curved. She probably had only ever seen one penis yeah, she'd in only her seen entire one. life. Yeah. She, and she had three girls, so she never <laughs> even had a boy. Right. So she's amazed by the fact that there's a curve. It's like letting people know, oh, you know what? The earth is round. Yeah. And they're like, wow, <laughs> mind blown. You haven't played my soundbite yet. Though. Oh, I haven't? Oh, Pursuing the Vagenda of Manicide. Pursuing the Vagenda of Manicide 
Here's Kimberly. It's okay, not, so, it's not as pulse pounding without the music behind it, though, pulse I will pounding. say. We're talking about dicks and pulse pounding. <laughs> you know, talk about pulse pounding. Wake up first thing this morning. <laughs> talk about pulse pounding. I just saw fucking Don Jr. come down my Twitter feed. Oh, well, He's a dick. Uh, you, oh, my God. Uh, you said uh, Don Jr. come, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. We're just so Disgusting. Gross. We're but so naughty. Pulse pounding. The way you woke me up this morning, it oh, was like yeah. sheer panic. You're like, Bob, I smell gas. Well, I felt panicked. Yeah. Oh, well, and I got a story about that. Well, you got to be you got to be careful because I have a story <laughs> first about gas. You smelled gas in the house, and we'll eventually get to wh- what it was or what wasn't, as the case may be. But you know, I'm a survivor. And in fact, this is the first time You're today such a survivor. that I I know I'm such a survivor. <laughs> I'm like share. <laughs> The first time I think I've ever spoken the words, I'm a survivor of a gas explosion, was today. That was the first time I ever said that actual phrase, and it was to the maintenance guys who came over to check the gas odor in our apartment. And I never actually said that, but it's true. I am a survivor of a gas explosion. In 1972, in Annandale, Virginia, some workers were uh, 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 laying down the storm sewers in the brand new development that my parents moved us into. And uh, as they were using their giant backhoe to churn up the ground, the idiots from the construction company churned up the gas line that was leading into all the houses in our cul-de-sac. And that uh, obviously ruptured the gas line. And then so all of this natural gas flooded back through into all of the houses on the Mm. cul-de-sac. Yeah. But it wasn't that it didn't run back through in the pipe itself. It went through the hole that the pipe was sitting in, you know, the tunnel that the pipe was sitting in. So it went directly back into the houses. It didn't, it didn't have to fight through the force of the gas that was already in the pipe. Mm -hmm. And so what happened was our neighbors, their house blew up. Everyone was killed. Uh, Awful. (laughs) Yeah, terrible. Uh, My mom and I were the only ones home. My dad had gone to work. My brothers hadn't been born yet. So, and I was not even a year old. And my mom smelled the gas. And uh, first she ran downstairs into the utility room, closed the door to the utility room. And then when she came up already, I think the gas pressure, and of course this is all vague. I don't know the full details of the story, but the gas pressure had already blown own a hole in the side of the house and so she was able to get me out because the door was jammed for some reason she couldn't open the door and in fact the same thing happened to our neighbors and the reason why their house actually blew up killing everyone inside was because the door was jammed there and the mom in, in the neighbor's house was trying to kick the door open with her shoe and the and what they say is that the one of the nails on the sole of her shoe, back in the old days when they used to have nails and soles of shoes, uh, caused a spark against the slate foyer floor. Wow. And that's oh what God. ignited the gas. Yeah. Wow. So they, they all died. In fact, the mom survived a little bit, you know, maybe a matter of a half an hour or something like that, but like third degree burns all over her body. But, oh my um, but my mom was able to get me out of the house. And uh, what was crazy is she ran across the front. She'll, she'll, to this day, she talks about this, where she ran across the front lawn in her bare feet, and it was covered with glass because all the windows and everything had, had blown out, and she didn't get a single cut on her wow. feet. Wow. Amazing. So we actually survived. My dad called. There was a whole, obviously, a lawsuit and, and inquisition and everything. And, and in fact, the lawsuit helped pay for my college education. Thank you very much. Wow. So at least there was that. Something positive came out. In fact, it paid for my college education and my brother's college education. Wow. 
not well, not know, maybe not the best plan to finance your college education. <laughs> yeah, don't blow up your house. To pay. Don't, but no, don't rely on that as a business model for going to college. Well, you know, when, when the maintenance guy came, yeah, you were in your office, so I answered the door and I started explaining to him immediately that I smelled it, but I wasn't sure, and that I just wanted to be sure. Did he say back to you, "He who smelt it dealt it"? Uh-huh. <laughs> no, but. Wow. The way he addressed me and the way he was looking at me as if I was an idiot Mm -hmm. and it was pissing me off. And I I made sure to say, you know, that um, I just wanted to make sure because it is gas and, you know, you don't want to play around with that. And he just stood there staring at me and he's like, it's just a cooking smell and it's not a cooking smell. And then you came out and then he took it seriously and that fucking pissed me off and it was very 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 subtle he was writing me off as if I didn't know what I was talking about and you know and then you came out and you made your comment and everything oh then he starts doing all the testing yeah but he did he just stood there looking at me like woman what are you talking about <laughs> and it was yeah, like I, I could I could feel the rage inside me because I just thought why are you standing here and I asked him like three times is that something that you can because he was holding something and I didn't know if it was like a walkie talkie or if it was one of those things that I figured it was a machine to detect any kind of leak mm-hmm. and uh, he, he just he wouldn't even answer me but then you came out and he immediately starts unraveling it and testing it and yeah. it was like yeah. so the man comes out and it's legitimate but when the woman talks about it she doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about and I'm convinced that tool that he was using was fake like it's just a, like a fake cosplay well I don't know like, because like something he, for, like I don't something, think it, so because it was he like, did but it was like something from the Ghostbusters you know it's like something that <laughs> but uh, he did put it up to the oven or to the stove and he turned the gas on and then it made a noise so um, uh, I do think that it was a legitimate thing but it was just it pissed me off because you know women are not taken seriously my mother and so I, I talked to my mother after this and I explained what happened and of course she's all very you know familiar with this and there was this time when she was selling cars and this man referred to her as little lady and she was a car salesperson so she just fucking nailed him she she got him to pay like five thousand over and, yeah. he, and and the way that she addressed him and did everything she did she was talking about torque and all this stuff and and um because she knew her shit as yeah. she she's like an a, a type A personality who's like a she was a straight A student she's always so neat and perfect everything yeah. just is fucking perfect so um, you know she she did her thing and she said like he couldn't even he had nothing to say to me and he just kept like yes ma'aming me after I don't know she didn't like scold him mm-hmm. but I guess she just you know impressed the shit out of him and then Took them to the cleaners. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So there's a little message for, I, I doubt there's too many older misogynist <laughs> men listening to this. But yeah. in case you think you're being cute when you say little lady, you might get fucked over by that little lady. Yeah, and you're totally <laughs> you're totally fired up with the agenda of Manicide today. Because last night we watched on YouTube. But of course now we can get, we have a Roku thing. So we can watch YouTube on our TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, isn't that fancy? It's like something, <laughs> uh, millennials all listening in are like, Bob, like, we, we've been able to do this for years. What are you talking about? Which is all amazing. You can get YouTube on the television striking and shocking. Uh, but no, we were watching um, old episodes of E! True Hollywood Story. Mm-hmm. And the There's one, so many of them and I can't wait to see them. We, of course, watched the Brady Bunch one and then we watched the Three's Company one. Last night, yeah. Where it was basically like, wow, Suzanne Summers sure is a bitch. <laughs> I mean, that was the drama yeah. that they were really well, amplifying. Well, I mean, look, I remember I've seen this yeah. years ago and I remember, you know, Joyce DeWitt I remember watching this and it was the late 90s because they they mentioned, I think, 98. Mm -hmm. And so it was like not too long after 98 because Norman Fell had passed away after his last interview, which I guess was this show. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) 
So I remember like thinking that Joyce DeWitt seemed bitter and then and that uh, what's her name? Susan Suzanne Summers was uh, just nothing but greedy. So now that we watch this again, I would say I don't think Joyce DeWitt. I, I think Joyce DeWitt was totally um, justified in her feelings mm-hmm. because it sounds like they were just fucking um, condescending, misogynist, sexist yeah. producers. Yeah, very much the 20th century television producing group. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. a bunch of old men. Looks like World War II generation with all their sort of old school uh, concepts about how the world works. And, yeah. And, and they, were, they, they said, I think it was Priscilla Barnes who said that they would talk to them as if they were parental. You know, like yeah. now, now children. Right. But then, but Suzanne Summers, you know, she was pissed off because she was getting maybe $600,000 a year. And John Ritter, both her and um, Joyce DeWitt were getting about 600000 a year. And, and, and uh, John Ritter was getting like a million. Yeah. So she, she, and I, I think she was right to go fight for more money. But the way she did it, mm-hmm. I think was um, very damaging to the cast and yeah. to herself because it it's like it was she reckless. was, re- it was yeah, a she, reckless she was approach. called greedy and I don't, I'm yeah. not going to call her greedy I think she was fighting uh, for what she deserved yeah but I also think the way she did it and the way she handled it was juvenile and she had her stupid husband who I can't stand I can't even remember his name I never can remember his name oh yeah it was, he was a Canadian um, yeah, talk, talk show, show host, host. Yeah. I, yeah Charlie something no not Charlie it wasn't Charlie <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't know remember his name. his name. I'll just, I'll check it out. Go, yeah, look, keep, look it keep up. Keep talking and I'll but, look it but up. But yeah, so he, uh, he took over as her manager. And once that happened, they just, they just figured because she had all this instant fame and that's what she was after. Alan Hamill. Am- Alan Hamill. Yeah, see, Alan Hamill close to Charlie. Char- there you that's, go. I mean, I, it's amazing I was able to uh, come up with that. <laughs> well, you know, she, uh, she wanted fame. Joyce DeWitt and John Ritter wanted to act. So, so she got what she wanted and then she figured, oh, I'm just like the shit. And that was her problem. It's, I don't have a problem with her going after more money, but, but it was just her whole idea of like, you will bow to me because I am the famous. It's like, oh, fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she was a little bit, um, I just think that the way they treated all of them, including John Ritter, but especially the women, it it sounds, it it sounds like, you know, Joyce DeWitt at the end, she said, look, when the lights went up and we went to perform, it was just exquisite. Yeah. But you know, all the other shit, the drama, the way they were treated, the way the show ended and the actors were, uh, cause they were going to do that spinoff with only Jack and nobody told anybody. It was terrible. Terrible. Yeah, I remember was, that they, show. They, it was terrible. It was terrible, and they they told the other actors there was a hiatus, but they could come back to only find out that you know there was they filming going on. Yeah, yeah, and that they weren't in in the show. So that was just all bullshit. But mm-hmm. but it's just fascinating. It's fun well, it to watch to, those shows. It was a little bit of misogyny. Obviously, that yeah. was the case. Where I don't want to say misogyny, like chauvinism. I think uh, yeah, jo- chauvinism, Joyce DeWitt yeah, was calling chauvinism, it chauvinism. Yeah, and sexism. And, and the other side of it though was the way they defined that three person group was with. With John Ritter as being the lead, yeah. and of course, in in a in a lead scenario, the lead is always going to get more money right. than the other cast. But the cast should have been an ensemble cast. Yeah. It should have been a you know a three person spotlight. You know what I mean? I wonder though, where they, they all should have been earning similar amounts of money. Yeah. It's the same way with Cheers. Like Ted Danson was right. the main guy. He's the lead yes. on Cheers, but it was really an ensemble show where yeah. they should have had more parity between the actors. Yeah. As far as their uh, their uh, per episode fee went and their back end and all that crap, but so that I mean, but the way Suzanne Summers handled it, I thought was really it was poor. And yeah, you know, was, I, I think it was Alan Hamill was giving her 
really bad advice. He was not somebody who had been in show business. He, mm-hmm. he was, I guess, like he, he came along and helped out her manager until he felt, okay, now I got it. Yeah. And then they fired the manager. And then that's when they decided to pull all these stupid stunts pretending that she was have had a broken well I don't know if she had a broken rib she said she had a broken rib and she missed work and but she was still out performing in her other show with no brace so it's like you know she was supposedly wearing she said she was wearing a back brace but she wasn't wearing a back brace she was a liar she she was just playing this negotiation game but it was it was not beneficial to the other cast members i mean i imagine if uh i i think in friends there was some point where Maybe all of the cast members band together yeah. and said, we want a million dollars per episode. I think that's the way it was. Uh, the Simpsons did that on several occasions. See, that, as did that Seinfeld. doesn't hurt the other cast. That's yeah. when all of the cast members like, we're standing together in solidarity yeah. and we're not going to fuck up, you know, shooting and we're not going to do un- unless it's like we're all agreed that we're going to we're not going to hurt anybody else's. I mean, of course, they'd have to deal with the camera people yeah. and, the, and all that. But still, it's like, uh, I, I just, yeah. It's like but she, I mean, she, she just didn't handle it well. Well, sure. And you get to that level of fame, though, because remember, this we're talking about 1979, 1980, yeah. around there, where there was only three networks. And when you talk about a number one show or a top five show, which Three's Company was, mm-hmm. you're talking about massive visibility, massive celebrity on a scale that we can't really truly yeah. appreciate now, given the way television has really been diversified well, you get, and famous on YouTube. So. Yeah. Diversified across all these different platforms. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the, the level of celebrity that the cast of three's company achieved at that point in time must've been just absolutely mind blowing because what they were saying is it was instantaneous. And what happened with Suzanne Summers is I think that level of fame really eked into her yeah. ability to judge yeah, how she, she should be proceeding. She, you you kind of get this sense of invincibility when right. you get that level of fame. I mean, right. even, you know, I, I I just remember back uh, after Napster Bad, I did this cartoon in, in the year 2000, May of 2000, and I was getting 10 million downloads a day or something ridiculous for this one cartoon. And it was not even close to being the level of celebrity of Three's Company, but I'm saying this to illustrate the fact that in the wake of that, I felt invincible. Mm-hmm. I felt like any idea I came up with is the greatest idea. I mean, it was intoxicating. Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, things happen that measure you back or cut back your level of ego and, and you kind of recalibrate. Some people are not, unable to mm-hmm. recalibrate. Well, again, she wanted that fame as, yeah. as opposed to both of the other two actors who were a little intimidated by it. I'm sure they handled it okay, but, you know, Joyce DeWitt specifically said, I'm a very private person. So mm-hmm. it was very uncomfortable for me where Suzanne Somers loved it. And so because I think she loved it, she exploited it, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And what was really entertaining about watching that E! True Hollywood story is the seriousness with which so many of the people were taking it. And it was such a, a light farce what do they yeah. call it a, a bedroom, bedroom farce yeah bedroom, bedroom farce bedroom parody be, bedroom something something like yeah that. yeah well it was just like and and they were talking about how they were repeating plot lines right you know and which is something that after you, after eight years they, yeah because they were saying that in, in the initial episodes they were trying to hide a puppy from the ropers and then they like toward the end they were hiding a kitten from mr, mr. Furley. Furley. yeah <laughs> right and that happens in a lot of shows that last a long time. I yeah, mean, I was... You start it, losing story ideas. Yeah, and in fact, Charlie Pierce and I were talking about MASH on Twitter uh, this past week. And one of the things that I occurred to me as we were talking about MASH, because he Charlie Pierce evidently hates the finale of MASH. 
Which is just like, who hates the finale of MASH? Well, I didn't hate it, but I hated what the Hawkeye story. I hated that I so much. I love that story. Well, because, I was I mean, just a girl and it was upsetting to me. I mean, my God, Kimberly, it was a baby. I know. It was a baby. That's the thing. <laughs> That's, it, it killed me. Wasn't a chicken. Spoiler warning. It was a baby, <laughs> for God's sake. So then it's okay. Yeah. I, um, I am... Um, but Charlie hated that. Yeah, a I mean, baby he, killing horse, so I really shouldn't be bothered by it. That's true. He was saying that the finale was everything that MASH had become that was bad. Like mm. everything that, uh, you know, the Alan Alda consciousness eked into the comedy of the show and kind of dampened it down. And I agree that in those last four or five seasons, the show really, I would say maybe the last three or four seasons, mm-hmm. uh, the the comedy became really tepid and watered yeah. down from where it was originally, and even into the Mike Farrell, uh, Harry Morgan years, the the comedy really was sharp up until a certain point when Alan Alda took over sort of the creative consulting aspect of the show and and uh, and really watered it down. But nevertheless, where was I going with this? Mash. Oh yeah, Mash repeated a, a storyline over and over again, and it got to the point where. I've seen that. I've seen every episode of that show. Must as many times as you've watched Sex in the City all the way through. I yeah. think I've seen the episodes of Mash through twice as many times. Uh, I used to have them on cassette tapes, just the audio only cassette tapes, and I would listen to the cassette that I would just record off of a television with my boombox back before there were VCRs. And there were shows You're so that they. Obsessive. I mean, every, I know. <laughs> what can I say? You're more obsessive than me. Very much so. But uh, the the one plot line that they used to repeat on Mash all the time was that. Um, that thing where they, one of the cast members would ask a favor of someone and then that cast member would ask a favor of someone else and then someone else and then someone else. And so in order for the first person to get what they needed, all of these other people needed to do all these favors. It was like a like a chain of favors or something like that to this one cast member. And they did that, I don't know how many times. They must have done that half a dozen times on MASH, that particular plot line. So it, it does happen. And you're talking about 22 episodes a season at that time. I mean, now, like a 12-episode pickup is like a bonanza, like a gigantic payday. And uh, But back then, man, you do... Uh, what, Three's Company lasted eight years? Eight years, I think, yeah. Eight seasons, 22 episodes. My God, that is a lot of fucking television, yeah. especially with the modern context. So it's it's no wonder they repeated episodes. Um, speaking of, of, of old school uh, television, we're starting the after party early today because you're going on Alyssa Milano's yes, podcast today. Yeah, it's funny because I was, you know, she had asked me, a while back and we've just all been trying to I, I've been dealing with her assistant and so we've been trying to figure out when and everything so we finally agreed to a time and mm-hmm. then so I said okay well will we be doing this on phone or Skype and she's like I'll be sending an engineer to your location an engineer what <laughs> and I was just like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway so yeah after this podcast I imagine somebody's going to come to our home and mm-hmm. I don't know how it's going to work. Like, I don't know if I'm just going to... It's going to be Tony Danza. <laughs> Angela, Angela, there's something wrong with Mona. There's something wrong with your microphone, Angela. He's going to just well, call you I don't Angela know if like I'm Because, you know, they asked me, are there any particular topics you want to focus on? So I gave them a list. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if we're going to like go through those topics and then Alyssa's going to, you know, add on later if she's going to be... There for the interview while we're, I have no idea All I do know Is I interviewed a woman Named Kate Kelly A couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. Just after the ERA hearing Kate was there 
and she's a lawyer. So she was able to, you know, offer up some interesting insight. But anyway, I know Kate and I were invited at the same time. So I imagine we're both going to be on the same show, but I doubt we're going to have like a roundtable kind of discussion. It's probably just going to be like, you know, Alyssa will talk with me and she'll talk with Kate and then she'll splice it together. Right. Right. Well, good luck. That's exciting. She's actually sitting an engineer. Pardon me? I love that they're sending an engineer. I just like, we're going to send an en- engineer to your location. Yeah, and again. So it's so formal. The first thing I thought of as soon as you told me that they're sending an engineer is I thought, budget. Yeah. They have a budget. <laughs> they have a better budget than I do. A podcasting budget. What, yeah. an, what an amazing concept that well, is. Well, you know, she was just in uh, featured in, Alyssa was featured in Washington Post. And she commented about how people you know, say, oh, you're getting all this money from Soros. And mm-hmm. she's like, no, I facilitate my from activism. Soros, yeah, really? I, of course. I facilitate all of my activism through my acting work. So this woman who blow, I mean, I know she's got some critics out there, even from the liberal side. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, she's she's like for Biden, which I feel like, look, I'm not going to criticize anybody. If yeah. I'd be a little worried if she was t- for Tulsi. But I mean, no matter who she's for, I don't care. Yeah. Because this woman does more. And I mean, look, Biden is not my favorite, but I certainly don't hate him. Mm-hmm. I just would prefer to see someone else. But um, but I'll vote for him enthusiastically if, if he's the nominee, because I will enthusiastically pretty much vote for anybody except for Bernie. I will vote yeah. for him, but not enthusiastically. Right. But, um, you know, I mean, I if Biden becomes the guy, I know I'm going to feel a certain amount of like hope and excitement. And, you know, if, if he is the nominee, the nominee. But going back to Alyssa, I, I respect her so much because she literally puts her money where she, her mouth oh, is. Yeah, her, yeah. her acting pays for her activism. She goes to these different states and she shows up to hearings. She takes people to vote and she records it. I mean, she's not just, you know, half-assed. She doesn't just, you know, write articles and I'm talking about, like, I do that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't have her money. I can't run around the entire fucking country like she does and and, and just puts it out there. And obviously she's asked to speak a lot. And, yeah. but I mean, she gets, she gets things done. Right. So, I mean, I, and, and of course, you know, the whole ERA thing, which I discovered in 2012, because I was the one who got to introduce that to her. And she, because of her and her fame, I know that, I mean, it's not because of her that it ratified, excuse me, in, in Nevada or in, or Nevada, it's called Nevada. It's Is not it Nevada. Nevada? Yeah. yeah. Um, and in Illinois, that wasn't because which is pronounced of, which is pronounced Illinois Illinois Illinoisy yeah but um it's not because of Alyssa that was because of the people who worked really hard on the ground mm-hmm. in those states yep. but Alyssa has definitely um, put so much attention on it that like there was in the L A Times yesterday there was a, I think it was an editorial board recommending the ERA so you know and Jerry Nadler did that hearing, which we hadn't had in 36 years. Mm-hmm. So there were, there was all kinds of things that have happened. And I know it's because of her. She, you know, she started, she didn't start me too, but she started the me too movement. Is there a nickname for Jerry Nadler? Like Nads? I think we should start that Nads because Nads. he's got balls, man. He he's totally going after does. Trump. He's got balls. He got balls of iron. And you know that what? Guy. He was last year when I went to that shadow hearing by uh, whose name I'm going to. Oh, it's a woman and I can't think of her name and I could see her face. But anyway, Christine Blasey Ford. No, no, no. She, she's in the Senate oh, okay. or, or, or house. Yeah. I can't think of Carolyn Maloney. OK, so Carolyn Maloney, um, you know, had this shadow hearing because she couldn't get a legitimate hearing. And that's where. Um, I met Alyssa and Alyssa gave this moving speech and all that, but Jerry was there and he was there the whole time. Nads. So he, 
you know, he impresses me. I want to say something though about him. Okay. You know, I am on the rampage with the white male perspective Mm -hmm. and I got to say, Jerry Nadler is an older white man and he is one of the most progressive men in the whole party. He, he, you know, I mean, he say what you want about him and I'm sure he has flaws, but this guy is showing up. Yeah. He's showing up for women. He's showing up for the Trump situation and you know, all that's going on there. I know they have to, um, you know, play a certain game and they have to adhere to certain rules. Mm-hmm. And, and so I believe they're trying to do everything by the book and everybody in the country is going dead peach now. Right. And it's talk. They're talking specifically to Nancy, but you know, I'm hoping that she's got the long game and I don't know, but either way, I think that Jerry Nadler is an older white male mm-hmm. who's an incredibly progressive older white male. The more I think about this entire impeachment strategy, the more I like it, the more I'm on board with it. And, I know, you know Sarah Kensior is not. Well, she's, she's <laughs> not, but I mean, that's okay. I, I appreciate it. And obviously yeah. I was on the hard line right. side of things for a good long well, time. It's hard and I, and for I still me to decide. I, I, I think I'm still on that hard line side. I still think to a certain degree I'm on the Sarah Kensior side because uh, I, I really believe it's something that needs to happen. It's, yeah. it's, it's mandatory as far as I'm concerned. What I I agree with on the Nancy Pelosi side of this is that there needs to be a process. Yeah. And yeah. I, I agree with that. I mean, I saw Sarah Kenzior had tweeted something and, you know, she was saying that she didn't believe that she was sincere or whatever. And yeah. so when I, you know, I mean, I, I certainly appreciate both, um, the two women of Gaslit Nation, Sarah Kenzior and, and Andrea, Andrea, Chalupa. Yeah, Andrea Chalupa. So I, I appreciate them. Those women are freaking incredible they are um and and i'm kind of at this place where i absolutely want to believe that that nancy pelosi has a long game and Mm -hmm. i get that the stakes are so high that they want to make every move count and to be extremely careful so that when they do go in for the kill it's not a miss and then we're fucked right right so i you know i mean and and it does you know we're dealing with that horse in the hospital and he's he's <laughs> you know nobody knows i mean we can expect some things yeah but he's very unpredictable he, well that's yeah you could say that <laughs> that's unpredictable is what brings his uh that's what's going to bring the entire trump empire down i will i hope so he's just making it up as he goes along there's no long-term strategy is is so um unnerving and you know talking about you know this agenda of manicide you had mentioned to me last night oh you you need you and your agenda of manicide need to go after the trump administration for this um oh yeah this bill that they're gonna let what what's the deal? Well, with the bill? Yeah, yeah. The, it's the it okay. What happened was is there was a ruling by a federal judge in Michigan that overturned the ban right. on female genital right. mutilation in this country for being unconstitutional. Now there's some sort of commerce clause uh, problem with all of that. It's like a, it's a, a commerce issue is what was cited by the judge. But the fact is is that Donald Trump and the Bill Barr Justice Department are no longer going to defend that ban mm-hmm. in court. So what they're going to do, Donald Trump is allowing the ban on female genital mutilation to expire. That's what's happening. So basically, you can say that Donald Trump wants to legalize female genital mutilation in this country, in America. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're not talking about... He loves women. Nobody loves women more than he does. We're not talking about some like radical Islamic nation somewhere where it's just seriously oppressive and terrible. We're talking about the United States, where there are half a million women who are susceptible to this, susceptible to this practice. Yeah. So there, could, there, there's this situation that's going on yeah. with the, the genital mutilation. There's also 
what's going on in Georgia. Um, I believe in Georgia, if you want an abortion, you can, you, there's like a felony. Wait, the, well then there's also, wait a minute. There's also Alabama. Oh yeah. That Alabama. would make it a felony. And they tried right. to sneak. There was that whole thing yesterday, which hell broke loose on the Alabama Senate floor. Yeah, You want to hear that? You want to hear that? This is what happened on the Alabama Senate floor. Was it the Senate it happened in the Alabama Senate? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this is uh, Alabama Republicans trying to ram through an anti-abortion bill, criminalizing abortion with up to 99 years in prison. Mm-hmm. This is the Republican agenda. Make no mistake about what their agenda is on abortion. It's not just to make it illegal. They want to start punishing people. They want to criminalize abortion and throw women and doctors in jail. Yeah. That's their goal in all of this. It's not just about saving the fetuses. It's punishing anyone who wants to abort a fetus. That's their entire goal. So what happened was here, they tried to do just like a a voice vote suddenly and without warning on the floor of this Alabama chamber. And all hell broke loose. Mm-hmm. By Representative Collins relating to abortion. Committee amendment pending. All those in favor say aye. Oh, no, Any ho, opposed? Ho, 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 motion passes. Ho, ho. Committee Mr. amendment Chamber, is tabled. Mr. Chamber, Mr. Mr. President, there was no motion. There was no motion. There was a motion. There he was made a motion. motion. He didn't even make a motion, Mr. President. Hold on. He, he did not make a motion. He made a motion to table. He did not table. make a motion. There was hey. no motion from the other side. No. He we made a motion to table. Heck no. He didn't even make a motion. Senator he Ch- did not make a motion. He made Mr. a motion President. to table. What was the motion made? The, the motion. No motion was made. You just excuse me, Senator Chambliss. No you're recognized. I don't care what the chair is about. Thank you, Mr. He President. did not make a motion wow. in response hey. to the number of abortions. No, that have no, been no, no, no. Performed this year versus the Mr. rape and incest. Mr. President, he did not make so, so what they want to do here is they want to punish people who have abortions with up to 99 years in prison. And the way they're going to achieve that is to do some ridiculous parliamentary endgame or end around where they cheat and they get a voice vote through without making a motion for any sort of vote being on the table. Mm-hmm. That's how they, they plan to do this. Meanwhile, the lieutenant governor there said point blank today that he's trying to kill Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. Now, good luck with that, because even some of the conservative justices on the Supreme Court, I mean, for fuck's sake, Scalia, when he was still alive, was basically saying that Roe was established law. John Roberts believes that, too. So this Republican notion that Roe v. Wade is on the table because of the makeup of the Supreme Court is kind of false, although I say all of that and I go, well, there's still a chance. And yeah, that's there's, what's scary there's about still it. A chance. Then, OK, yeah. so there's that. Then there's another guy in Ohio mm-hmm. who sponsored a bill that defies science by claiming contraceptives cause abortion. Yeah. And um, he, so it's that ectopic pregnancies in which the embryo implants somewhere other than the uterus, oh, usually so the fallopian tube, can be fixed by simply sticking the errant embryo into the pregnant person's uterus. So there's that. Good luck. And then, and then there's, um, I don't know, there's like a number of abortion ban stories where... God, I think it's in Georgia that if you find out you're pregnant or if you miscarry, you can go to jail. If you if you try to leave the state to get yeah. an abortion, you can go to jail. Right. And so I have to say that, you know, yeah, I have agenda of manicide and all that stuff and I'm angry and I am. But I feel very similar to the way I felt during the Kavanaugh, hearing, Kavanaugh hearings because mm-hmm. I feel like, once again, women specifically, because men are under attack too. This yep. is not just a women's issue, but the women are the one who are going to suffer the most. Men have um, a certain amount of stake in this. I mean, you can say, if, if you're in a couple, if like let's just say you and I uh, 
were younger and I was able to get pregnant, we wouldn't want a kid. And if I lived in a state that I didn't, if it would be an unwanted pregnancy mm-hmm. and you wouldn't want one. Yeah. So we would both want to end the pregnancy. And if we lived in a state like Ohio or something, and I didn't even know in, you know, five, most women in Ohio, there's the bill that bans abortion. Um, I think it's after your five, I think after six weeks and then there's no um, rape or incest um, exception. Mm-hmm. So me- most women don't even know they're pregnant until you know seven, eight, nine weeks. Are you are you saying that a fetus is just a missed period? Is that what you're saying, Kimberly Johnson? You baby killer, you. And, and then there's then there's these horrible stories coming that, and I I wrote about this. Well, wait, wait, we don't want to go past what we were just talking about because there was a bit of an incident on BBC. Uh, I believe it was today or last oh, with, night with, with ben, ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro, yeah, where Ben Shapiro was asked by uh, this uh, this BBC host, who is this guy's name? Andrew Neal, uh, about this Georgia anti-abortion law. That is, it is true. He calls it he calls it barbaric, mm-hmm. and it's absolutely barbaric. Mm-hmm. Most women don't even know they're pregnant by six weeks. They don't even realize it, and then when they finally do realize it, oh, too late. Right. Sorry, you're stuck. Unless you go to a different state, and even then you can be arrested for going to a different state. Mm-hmm. So here's uh, here's Ben Shapiro, and the Shapiro bot. Yeah, I mean, just turning into a blue screen of death with mm-hmm. his... <laughs> he needs to reinstall his drivers or something like that. Here's uh, Ben Shapiro on the BBC. Why is it that a bill banning abortions after a woman has been pregnant for six weeks is not a return to the dark ages? What's your answer? My answer is something called science. Human life exists at conception it ought to be protected now back to my question to you you purport to be an objective journalist is that really ben shapiro is that one of those text-to-voice things <laughs> i was curious Kristen johnston asked if he was inhaling helium and i'm like yeah he does every day all day yeah brian lynch asked if his uh if his owner dave wouldn't let him have a hula hoop for christmas <laughs> This is obviously an Alvin and the Chipmunks reference. Here, let's start this again. Why is it that a bill banning abortions after a woman has been pregnant for six weeks is not a return to the dark ages? What's your answer? My answer is something called science. Human life exists at conception. It ought to be protected. Now, back to my question to you. You purport to be an objective journalist. BBC purports to be an objective down-the-middle network. It obviously is not. It never has been. And you as a journalist are proceeding to call one side of the political aisle ignorant, barbaric, and sending us back to the dark ages. Why don't you just say that you're on the left? Uh, is this so hard for you? Why can't you just be honest? <laughs> Mr. Seriously, Shapiro, I, it's a serious question. Mr. Shapiro, if you only knew how ridiculous that statement is, you wouldn't have said it. Yeah, you know what? It turns out... Turns out Andrew Neal is... Hard, like Andrew Neal is basically like the BBC equivalent of Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> He is so far right. And and what what uh, Ben Shapiro doesn't understand here, the Shapiro bot 3000 doesn't get it that in in England and everywhere else in the world, members of the press, members of the television press, especially ask challenging questions regardless of where their yeah. ideology lands. So that's what Andrew Neal was doing. He was asking Ben Shapiro a challenging question. And of course, Ben Shapiro, these fucking whiners. Yeah, he's basically taking MAGA to, the, to the BBC. Yes, and BBC's like, huh? Ah, the whining. But, Stop you know, whining. The, the, the thing that's so upsetting about this law, specific, specifically in Ohio, mm-hmm. is there was this story that just came out that a man raped an 11-year-old girl. Jesus. And the heartbeat law requires her to have this baby but there's no law that protects her welfare once it's born. Yeah. 
None. Exactly. Well, that's what that's what uh, Ben Shapiro goes on to justify is the uh, you know science says that uh, life the life cycle begins at conception, but I guess according to Ben Shapiro it also ends at birth. Yeah. Because anything after birth, you know, we've got babies dying in cages at the border. I don't hear Ben Shapiro screaming out about that. I'm so sick and tired of of hearing, don't these Republicans know? Yes, they know exactly what they're doing. They know what they're doing. They're not stupid. You know, this guy in in, in Ohio who's talking about this, uh, you know. Ectopic pregnancies, yeah. I can't say for sure that I know, but I, but I, what I do know is this is all about controlling women, whether or not he understands how those birth, how birth control works or ectopic pregnancies or anything, you know, to, to say that you could just go and put the baby back in the uterus and everything's super, you know, super cool. Um, this just tells me, and I've seen it for many years now, they don't give a shit doesn't matter what the truth is. It does. It, they're not stupid. Yeah. They have an agenda and they're fulfilling that, you know, and so I think it's a mistake for people to ask those questions instead of asking, is this guy stupid? Post something with some information that will help educate someone who truly doesn't know mm-hmm. instead of just wasting your time saying, cause I, this, this, I get very angry. You know, it's like the angry feminist thing. Yes. I'm the angry fucking feminist. You're angry but, about this stuff. I didn't realize But it's it. like when I see it, I start getting really picky with how it's handled on social media. And yeah. I mean, I do, I do make my jokes because sometimes I feel like I don't even know what to fucking say. So I'm not, I'm not saying don't ever have a, a flippant attitude or whatever, but just time after time after time after time, I see people commenting and they're like, is this guy dumb? Does he know anything? It's like, oh my God, don't act. That is wasting time. If you're yeah. going to spend time on social media, be more productive mm-hmm. most of the time. Yeah. Every once in a while, yes, we can, we can, you know, make fun of them or, or, or say a joke or, you know, whatever, however you want to make fun of Derp Jr. or whatever <laughs> it is. But I think there's always an opportunity to educate. You know, I don't engage with trolls except when I think other people are watching. Yeah. And then I try to educate. Yep. Instead of, I don't try to convince the troll. No. That's ridiculous. I try to convince the onlookers who don't know any different. Yeah, it's a way to get the framing out there. Yeah. It's a platform upon which you can, uh, you know, get some sort of clever thought or some sort of idea into the heads of the people who follow you, not necessarily the person you're responding to. Right, because almost almost every time they're not going to listen to you. Yep, yep. So, uh, what was I going to add here? Um, Oh, yeah, by the way, that Alabama Senate thing, uh, and it was the Senate in Alabama, so you're right about that. Um, that vote has been delayed until next week. Hmm. So, uh, I mean, because it, it, it could very easily pass and they know it's yeah. going to pass. This well, is going to, uh, according this, to the democratic woman who was speaking yesterday, she's like, we know this is going to pass. Yeah. We just want the respect yep. of doing this properly. Yeah. So Alabama is about ready to, uh, pass a, uh, a bill that criminalizes abortion with 99 years in prison. And so in, until, and obviously that's going to get challenged in court. And uh, but until it is until there's a stay on that law, if it actually gets signed by the governor, et cetera, um, until it, until there is a stay on on blocking that bill in the courts, uh, that's going to be the case. So if someone gets an abortion in Alabama. Goodbye. Yeah. So I hope you enjoy prison for 99 years. It's staggering what's going on yeah. here. I mean, what, what, what's really happening here between the red states and the blue states is the red states are becoming these op- oppressive, fascistic 
uh, zones of the country where you just don't want to go. You talk about no-go zones. Yeah. Remember that that hysteria that was going on about the no-go yes. zones? Well, these red states are now going to be no-go zones. If you're anyone who's maybe under the age of 60 and who whose uh, skin tone might be just a little more than a, a little darker than eggshell or a little light, yeah, I should right. say a little lighter than eggshell right. is what I meant to say. And that's what it's really going to be a, kind of an apartheid thing or a, a self-imposed apartheid thing with conservative pro-Trump red hat America where, you know, you're going to be able to live fine uh, lives with excellent standards of living with a social safety net and all of those things in the blue states. And then what's going to happen is the red states are going to economically start to collapse and either they're going to have to make an, adjud- uh, an adjustment to become more blue or they're just going to start complaining that whoever the Democratic leader of the nation is at the federal level, like, say, a Democratic president or a Democratic Congress, they're going to be blamed for not helping the red states yeah. and bringing jobs and bringing freedom and, and security to red states. Right now, I'm, I'm kind of processing it. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm angry, but I'm not at that stage where I'm raging angry. I'm kind yeah. of like when I was watching the Kavanaugh hearings, I was completely um, just... Like I felt beaten up. Yeah. I felt, I felt like I was just laying there helpless. Like it's not our world. Like this, we're in some yeah, sort like of, I don't, I don't even know how to process this at this point. Yeah. I need, I need a few days. I need to figure out and find what my stand. I mean, obviously I know my stance on this, but there's, it, it's just, sometimes it's so difficult when Trump became president. I really didn't even focus on feminism for like a year. Mm-hmm. And, and I did, I didn't talk about the ERA. And the ERA passed in 2017 in Nevada, but or it was ratified. But it was just so overwhelming for me to deal with Trump and all that we were seeing and experiencing. So I just, I don't know, I was unable to kind of find my voice with feminism, even though I had established my voice. It, I lost it because yeah. I was, I was shocked. Mm-hmm. I was literally in shock. And so I'm not surprised at anything that's happened right now, but I'm certainly shocked at how they're going about it. And I'm shocked that it's happening uh, yeah. again, shocked, but not surprised. It's only shocking because I just don't understand how this is going on. I don't understand yeah. how this is going on in America. It's, and it's a mass like delusion. Hero are speaking about this on a global stage. And I think, you know, I don't even have to fucking deal with this. I'm never going to get pregnant. I'm done. Any fear of getting pregnant is long gone. I am an older woman now and I don't have to worry, but I can't help but be, I feel like this is personal. Yep. Even though I don't have to deal with it specifically. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, this is, uh, this is all part of the national emergency. And, uh, you know, part of the national emergency is just this uh, level of delusion. I mean, just millions and millions of people, 62 million people, upwards of that number, have been deceived and have been willing in many cases to be deceived into supporting this guy, into supporting this agenda. I was talking about this on the free show yesterday. It might have been the post-mortem show. We were talking about how uh, these are all policies that are going to negatively impact the people who support them. It's just amazing to me. I mean, they talk about healthcare, for example. These are all people who either have nothing to do with Obamacare other than reaping the benefits of its consumer protections. I mean, regardless, I mean, people don't know this. This is just maddening that people don't know this. People don't know that the Affordable Care Act created consumer protections for everyone who Mm -hmm. has health insurance, Mm -hmm. not just people who have health insurance through the exchanges 
or through healthcare.gov. It's for everyone. And you take away the Affordable Care Act and everyone's insurance is going to become much shittier. Mm -hmm. Good luck, red states. Good luck, red hats. You did this to yourselves. Your your insurance policies are going to suck just along right along with everyone else's. It's absolute madness. Meanwhile, they're t- cheering for Donald Trump and his fucking stupid trade war with China. Stupid China. China. Or as Donald Trump said yesterday, vagina. <laughs> I was doing this in China. China. Vagina. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why that's so fun, but it kind of kind of is. <laughs> so you. And then Jason Brozka suggested I add this one. Jitties. Yeah, Trump saying titties too. Titties, vagina. Yeah, I don't know why there was a a, a rim shot in there somewhere, but vagina, titties. <laughs> Thought I'd break up the seriousness there for a second, but he's in this trade war with China and he's monkeying around the tariffs. I mean, not only is he monkeying around with tariffs, but then he's tweeting shit and then deleting the tweets. Yeah, like he did this whole series of tweets this morning about the tariffs. He's like, oh, there's no need to rush into China talks after the tariffs hit. Blah blah blah. And then the fucking, oh, my God, the stock market goes bananas. I mean, in a bad way. I mean, it was like one of these days. This is an outrage. I demand an investigation. Turn those machines back on. So, yeah. Turn those machines back on. It's one of those days. It's one of those days with the stock market, thanks to Donald Trump. You know, this economic wizard who totally didn't just luck into a decent economy, thanks to Barack Obama. Right. You know, eight years of Barack Obama. This guy's been in office for just over two. Well, I mean, just let's look at Bush. Yeah. Well, I mean, all you got to do is look at every single fucking chart of economic indicators, Mm -hmm. and it'll show you that this is a trend that started with Barack Obama in about March of 2009, 10 years ago. Yeah. Right? And then Donald Trump takes all the credit for it because he's fucking Donald Trump. Just unbelievable. But he did. He followed through on his threat to increase tariffs on an additional $200 worth of Chinese goods to take steps towards taxing nearly all Chinese imports. No wonder the t- stock market took a shit today. But this is good news. Going back to impeachment real quick. 45% of Americans right. now support right, right, impeaching right. Trump. Up 5 yeah, percentage uh, points. Yeah, the economy will really make them want to support impeachment. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's the fucked up thing about all of this. I know. You know, the economy's doing well. Yeah, we all the- have to suffer before people fucking wake up. Yeah, exactly. Because well, people are only motivated when they're personally uncomfortable but i mean the only reason why donald trump is still hovering at around 40 percent is because of the fucking economy if it wasn't for the obama economy uh, keeping this guy afloat yeah he should be thanking barack obama every goddamn day well instead he's going and undoing everything barack obama did he needs to get one of those hope posters you know the obama hope poster and to light light a candle in front of it every day Uh, thanking barack obama for providing him with an economy that's potentially going to save his fucking ass because i mean if it hadn't been for the obama economy this guy's would be this guy'd be out already yeah. this guy'd be impeached already 45% Thanks, now obama. thank god supporting impeachment <laughs> I, i'm just I'm, you had to be so fucking great obama yeah i know <laughs> this guy could ride on your coattails for so long well they're so busy bitching about obama obama that they <laughs> They don't realize that Barack Obama, well, you know, they, they painted the Obama economy as being this fucking disaster. Yeah. And again, it's completely, completely counterfactual. And this goes back to abortion. This goes back to Ben Shapiro. This goes back to tariffs. This goes back to fucking everything. They're entirely counterfactual on everything, including the source of the decent economic numbers that we're seeing now. Mm-hmm. And the, the stock market, you look at the stock market, by the way, uh, the stock market was rising and rising and rising throughout the Obama years. You can trace all of this back to the passage of the stimulus in March of 2009. 
and you see this gradual increase in the uh, in, in economic growth, uh, an increase in employment, an increase in the stock market, and then Donald Trump p- passes his stupid fucking tax tax cut bill. And then the stock market goes bananas yeah. for the whole subsequent year. It's been up, it's been down, it's been up, it's been down. So you can see this very smooth. And then as soon as uh, Donald Trump does something to the economy, which is a tax cut thing. I mean, he hasn't done really anything for the economy other than cut taxes. And then everything goes chaos. Mm-hmm. Everything goes to fucking hell. That's how it works. That's how the that's there's your Trump economy. Mm-hmm. And the only reason why it's as high as it is right now and and dropping as of today, by the way. Mm-hmm. But the only reason it's that high is because it started that high <laughs> and and it's going to be very difficult. And by the way, the stock market isn't the economy. It's just one of many indicators. The fact is that, uh, you know, once you get to that point, it's really up to the spazzy white guys in lower Manhattan and how they're feeling about what Donald Trump is doing. And so that's going to, you know, that's going to be the, the main thing that's going to uh, decide the fortune of uh, whether the stock market goes up and down. And now they're today they're re- reacting rightfully so mm-hmm. to Donald Trump's fuckery on the uh, the trade war with with vagina vagina. <laughs> he was saying for China. Right. But because of his accent, the his way Brooklyn he accent, he goes vagina vagina. He's like vagina. So it, and it comes out vagina asshole. What an asshole. Meanwhile, uh, James Comey says Mueller had enough evidence to convict Trump. Well, fucking thanks for saying that now. Yeah, I know. I think fucking that, Comey. Yeah, I know. You know, I mean, <sighs> well, meanwhile, you know, the uh, New York Times jumped the gun a little bit on that Ukraine yes. story. And um, you know what I'm talking about? I think so. Yeah. I think I think. I saw something about this earlier. Well, the Biden-Ukraine thing, which is going, still going to be a disaster right. for Biden. Yes. Because it doesn't matter what the facts are. Right. Do- Donald Trump's just going to paint it yeah, however I mean, he Benghazi, wants to Benghazi, hello. Yeah. So, but what the thing they jumped the gun about is they were saying something to the effect that uh, an investigation had already started in Ukraine uh, regarding this uh, energy company that Hunter Biden was a part of. Uh-huh. And so, uh, but it hadn't started. And now we're finding out that now, now it kind of starts because well, no, well, Giuliani is is pushing Ukraine mm-hmm. to start inquiring into uh, Burisma, even after the Burisma investigation had ended, right? And it wasn't ended, and it hadn't ended because of Joe Biden's influence. It ended because it ended. They finished mm-hmm. it, right? But now they now Rudy Giuliani wants them to reopen it so they can damage. Joe Biden. Again, it's collusion in plain <laughs> sight. It's like what they were talking about on Rachel last night. Yeah. You know, they, they went from uh, doing it in secret in the 2016 election. And now that it's been sanctioned, it's been sanctioned in a positive way. Now that it's been allowed by the Mueller report, they're just out there doing it. Thanks, Mueller. Now they're doing it in clear view. Yeah. Not even apologizing for it. Here's what we're doing. Rudy Giuliani goes to Ukraine. And says, please investigate Joe Biden's son. Please, oh, please. Yeah. Because we need help in 2020. We need foreign help. We can't win on our own. So we need Russia. We need uh, maybe China. China. China to help out. And, uh, and oh, Ukraine, if you can give us a hand, too. I mean, we've got money to give you. <laughs> it's just unfucking believable Just the, the hubris. The, they just don't give a shit. It's like, we're just doing all this. We're being crooks in plain view. Try to catch us. Nah, 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 nah. 
And that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Mick Mulvaney criticized Republicans for not informing him that Trump Jr. would be subpoenaed. Because <laughs> that's the way things really work. I think they were informed. I think Donald Trump was informed of this two weeks ago. And again, they're just playing the victims. They're just playing the whiny diaper babies that they've always been. <sighs> so uh, so there's that. Um, okay. Do you want to talk about... Uh, <laughs> I'm not, you know what? I'm not going to talk about the Avengers as as a movie because I because I'm good because I'll be just taking a nap. Well, there are still lots of people. Well, but the, the, I know that a lot of people like the Avengers. Well, there are still lots of people who haven't seen it yet. Right. So I don't want to get into any sort of review thing that it involves spoilers. But I will say this: that there are now complaints about Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. Uh, complaints of fat shaming. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how exactly I'm going to address these complaints without spoiling uh, one of the parts of the movie. It's not even really, it's not a plot point necessarily. It's just the condition of well, one of the just, characters. You know, it's a spoiler coming up, so. Okay, so, well, spoiler warning, spoiler warning for just, like, it's like a character description. That's mm-hmm. what I'm about to spoil here. Uh, so in case you don't want to know, maybe skip ahead five minutes in the show. You can do that. You can skip ahead in 15 second increments on your Patreon app. Yeah, those little, just so you know, because I don't think people understand what that is. Yeah. When when you go to hit play, there mm-hmm. are these two little things that are 15 with a little circle and an arrow. So yeah. that takes you up 15 or back 15 yeah. seconds. Yeah, so, so you can advance ahead 15 seconds or yeah. go back 15 seconds. So, okay, so here's the spoiler. Thor in Endgame uh, as a consequence of the snap that was in the previous movie, the snap by Thanos that made half of all living creatures in the universe disappear. Uh, as a result of the trauma of, of that event, of the snap that made all those people disappear, um, Thor became an alcoholic. Thor like retreated to some place in Norland or something. Uh, where he's just drinking beer all the time and his body went to hell. So there's this whole thing in Endgame in which this guy who's known for his physical perfection, he's not even a guy, he's like like a god. Thor is the god of thunder in the Marvel Universe. Uh, But now he's like, he's overweight and he's doughy and he's a drunk, you know, and all these things. And so now this is being, I think, in my opinion, misperceived as fat shaming. Like they're using it as a point of comedy. And the point is not to say, ha, 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 fat guy, fat guy, ha, ha, ha. That's not the idea. Yeah. The idea is that guy used to be awesome and he knew he was awesome and he would always brag about how awesome he is, but now he's not so awesome because he's fat. Or he's not, they didn't even say the word fat. They didn't mm-hmm. even really attack his fat necessarily. They, they were just like, okay, well, now he's become sloppy. Right? Mm-hmm. So, and that's, uh, you know, it's just something that, that happens. Yeah. And, I mean, and just putting something in a script that makes somebody a certain physical yeah. shape is not a shame. No. It's, it, it depends on how it's treated in the script. But if it's just that they've gained weight, that's not fat shaming. No, it's not. Or even stop taking care of themselves. Well, right. And, and if it's someone, too, who's known for physical perfection and yeah. known to be up his own ass about, you know, the fact that he's a god and everything like that, acting, you know, hoity-toity and everything, then, you know, to a certain degree, you know, it's like, for example, like, uh, I think at one point Robert Downey Jr. calls him Lebowski. Mm-hmm. Because he's then he's got like that that Lebowski sweater on and the dark sunglasses and he's got the the disheveled beard and the long sort of matted hair. It just looks like he looks like Lebowski in the movie. Thor, it's Thor Lebowski yeah. 
in the movie. And so, yeah, so there are going to be remarks about that. But again, there are other overweight characters in the Marvel Universe that there's never any fat jokes about, like Peter Parker's best friend in the Spider-Man movie, the new Spider-Man movies, the part, the, the ones that are in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The Spider-Man's best friend is overweight. He's an overweight kid. But they're never like, oh, look at that fat kid. Ha 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 ha. It's not that just doesn't happen. It's the contrast of going from being this cut, bulky God, the God of Thunder to being Lebowski. And so obviously they're going to, you know, take little jokes about that, make little jabs about it. So no fat, no fat shaming. And and by the way, a lot of the people who are saying there is fat shaming and confronted one of them in my comments on Facebook hadn't even seen the movie. Yeah. And if you're going to pass judgment on the character of the the creative team that made these movies, you have to at least see their work first mm-hmm. before you criticize. Now, saying, okay, I'm I'm a consumer of films and I can make whatever judgment I want based on doing my diligence to see if I even want to see this movie. Well, that's fine if it like so you determine that superhero movies aren't your thing or you don't like one of the actors in the movie or it's too long and you don't have time or you don't go to movies anymore or you fucking hate superhero movies. That's a legitimate reason to not go see a movie. Or if a movie is given poor reviews and you say, ah, you know, I'm not going to bother. I'm not going to waste my time. But when you're judging the producers and writers and actors in a film um, and, and, and judging them for being, in your mind, immoral or unethical or some sort of shaming, prejudicial, whatever you want, bigoted, then you, to me, you have to see the movie. You have to see it if you're going to levy that kind of judgment. You have to see the scenes. At the very least, go to YouTube and watch the scenes if you can find them. And that would give you some sort of platform on which to uh, allow criticism of that nature. But don't, you know, all right. <laughs> that's, that's about all I have to say about that. It's just, no, it's just, it's one of those things where someone's always got to come up with a complaint about everything. And it's just the the nature of the internet age. It's the nature of Twitter. It's the nature of social media. We always got to shit on stuff that, uh, uh, without any information well, as to whether or not it's it's the the criticism is, is legitimate or justified or not. You know. What I mean? um, yes, and since you brought up the movie that I didn't want to watch, I'll bring up the movie you didn't want to watch just because I want to say a little <laughs> bit about it. Um, I I watched Extremely Wicked, Shocking and. Shocking, shockingly evil and vile on Netflix, and that was Zac Efron um, played Ted Bundy, mm-hmm. and I I heard about it online. I didn't even know it was made or anything, but some people on on Twitter were talking about it and, and really praising Ted Bundy. And I see that it gets uh, it's getting some mixed reviews, but it's getting really good reviews. Or people don't like it. I thought it was great. The only I do have a problem with it. It's after I saw the film, I found out that there were. Uh, certain things they kept out. I don't like that. Like, for instance, I, in the movie Misery, um, or I read the book and I saw the movie, and I really love the movie, but in the book, because I love extra creepy, like the creepier, the better for me. Mm-hmm. So like in the book, there were, she would go in, uh, Annie Wilkes would go into these fugue states <laughs> and she would like cram all this food in her mouth and her fingers would be greasy and she would drink out of a two liter Coke bottle and it would be all smeared. So like when he... Um, got out of the room he saw this and it was described and it's like it's just so creepy like food wrappers were everywhere but in the movie she was very neat and um, I would have preferred to see 
the disgustingness of how she behaved She's when she was alone. Neat and upset about Rocket Man. Have right. you all got amnesia? They just cheated us. This isn't fair. Well, and the other thing in the movie that they didn't do <laughs> yeah. was after she would clean the house, she would make him drink the the water filled with dirt and chemicals. Yummy. So I thought that was pretty creepy. So anyway, in the, in this uh, extremely wicked movie, evidently the, the the reason I liked it, and let me get to this first, was because it came from two different perspectives. Which was one, his girlfriend, longtime girlfriend, who did not want to believe that he was guilty, um, and then it came from his perspective. You never saw him doing anything. You never saw him, you know, raping or hurting anybody. But you would see his perspective when he was accused of it or arrested for it and how he tried to make people believe that he was innocent Mm -hmm. and how he tried to make her believe that he was innocent and how they really did have this love. It was like a genuine love. And so I thought it was so fascinating because it, it did not romanticize him in any way. But it did show that somebody like you know, I never thought Ted Bundy was good looking, but he was known for being good looking. But, you know, you've got this good looking man and he, he could easily um, he had all this energy and, and charisma and women were drawn to him. So it's like on one you know, on one part of his life, he was this loving man to this woman and her daughter and he never hurt them and he never would have hurt them. So but then on the other hand, he was like this just brutal fucking murder. I mean, just disgusting disgusting and horrible things Terrible that he shit. did. Awful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just your stomach turns and churns. That's, and, and that's the shit that I can't. That's why well, I didn't that, watch the And movie. that's the thing. They didn't show it. Yeah. Except that you just know he did it. Mm. And so, but you, the only thing that you saw was at the very, very end. And it was just, it, it cleaned something up for you. So you understood something. But outside of that one little thing, there was absolutely no violence in the movie whatsoever. It was just how he dealt with with everything at you know coming at him but i guess in real life there were clues along the way and they did not show that in the film so i guess you know he would put these casts on and get just like in in silence of the lambs when when what's his name pretended that you know he was hurt and he <laughs> yeah. needed help so this is what bundy would do and he would put yeah <laughs> but he would uh he would, he, I guess she found Plaster of Paris and I guess there were a couple of times where certain things like a crowbar was missing and it led her to question. So, but that, you didn't see that in the film and I would have I would have liked to see that perspective because it was real. Mm-hmm. But that, all that said, not knowing that when I went to see, I was so impressed with Zac Efron. I, I don't know him. I don't pay any attention to him. Um, he's a younger guy. I don't. I don't know what movies he's been in. I. I think he's kind of like was known as like a bubblegum type act. Well, he really did a spectacular job. So there's my little review of that movie. Yeah, and and um, some interesting folks too. Uh, why can I never remember this name? Uh, John Malkovich played the judge. Malkovich, Malkovich, yeah. Malkovich, and there were a couple of other people in it that I was like, oh, that was interesting to see. You know different stars were, were in it that mm-hmm. I were unexpected. Yeah. But all the acting was really fantastic. Well, that's great. And I, you know, I maybe on a different night, I would have been into watching it. I just didn't feel like a serial killer thing. That right. Night. Well, that you know, but again, it. I just want to reiterate that this was not, there was no focus on the actual crime or violence. And it didn't make Ted Bundy seem like a nicer guy than you would no, imagine. No, not at all. Okay. It, it wasn't about what it did was it showed that he could use his looks and his charisma to fool people. Right. But it, it didn't romanticize that. I think what, you know, one of the things I think it was even said in the film 
or, or, you know, at the end of the film, there was some footage of mm. actual Ted Bundy when he was in court and stuff like that. And they showed you that it was like matched up perfectly, almost like with uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, how yeah. When you watched the concert, how um, oh, yeah. I mean, you could see that Bundy was using like he was shaking his his hand at the judge and the judge scolded him for it. They had that in the movie. Mm. But anyway, I think somebody had mentioned at the end um, in, in a real interview from real news footage that, you know, here you could have... Serial killers, we think of as these demonic creatures, and they are. But sometimes they're people you love and you don't even know it. Yeah, I kind of, it's so freaky. Yeah. That, that whole concept of just knowing someone for a long time and not even and realizing. Find, you know, I mean, some like, so I, I'm I just think- going to ask you point by are you a serial killer? Are you? <laughs> I just want to know. You never know. <laughs> Shit. I'll never tell. Shit! <laughs> I just, I thought that the uh, idea of coming from her perspective and, and then from his perspective without any violence or any, you didn't even need it. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm saying you need to have violence in movies, but when you watch, you know, even in, it was worse in Silence, way more in Silence of the Lambs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Way more. But, uh, you know, like I said, there was just one little thing at the end. Well, with the Silence of the Lambs, here's the difference. And, and there are obviously things like that that I, I am perfectly happy to tolerate or p- perfectly happy to watch. And it's just the level of fantasy about it. Like Dexter, right. I'm totally fine with Dexter because not he's, only... He's a fictional character. Well, he's a fictional character. The events are, are fictional. Right. And he's actually uh, going after evil people. Right. Uh, it's it's the real life shit that yeah. gets me. Well, there's there I I have this fascination, and I know I'm not alone. But serial killers fascinate me because I I can't understand what it is. I I can only imagine that it's some kind of um brain like a a weird cell formulation when you have these sociopaths. The only thing like I look at somebody like um, Jeffrey Dahmer, and he expressed legitimate. Um, like he understood what he did was wrong. And he said, I need to be in jail because if I'm not in jail, I'm going to keep doing this. Yeah, it's a severe mental illness. It's right. psychopathy. But he recognized and- it. He wasn't a sociopath yeah. because he he actually felt bad for what he did, but he would have continued to do it and he knew that. Well, he may and- have expressed that he felt bad, but he didn't feel bad. Well, you, didn't, don't, you don't do that well, shit and then not... he didn't say that he felt bad. He yeah. said he understood what he did was wrong I see. and that he understood that he needed to be locked up because if he wasn't locked up, he would keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I thought that was just so incredibly fascinating. Yeah. Doesn't make me feel sorry for him in that, you know, he, he was horrible and, and he fucking ate people. Um, it tortured them, tortured them and, that, and ate them. That that's where yeah, that's, that's the, that's the, the kind of shit part. that I, I can't yeah. deal with. I can't deal with torture. And, right. and even in a fantasy movie, I can't deal with any no, sort I of don't torture. Like torture either. Although the only thing that I can handle and I still do it in a cringy, like I still cringe is, uh, is the, uh, reservoir dogs. Oh, the, that's see, I can't, I can't deal with my that. mom. Can't deal with that either. I she writes totally creepy shit and she can't watch that scene. The, the scene toward the end yeah. where with with the, the ear, the ear. Yeah. yeah. I can't deal with that. I can't deal with someone. For some reason I could handle it. And I don't, I mean, I still, I cover my face, but I, I peek through my fingers. Yeah. It's like, makes me uncomfortable, but I can handle that. But yeah, as far as like, I won't watch those movies. Um, the torture movies. Uh, I don't even know what they're called because I've never seen them. Oh, like the Rob Zombie movies. Like for example, House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, but there's one that was really famous and they did a couple of them. And I and of course, oh the 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 Saw movies. Saw. Thank you. I've never seen that. I saw the first Saw movie and you know what? It it wasn't. Here's the thing. It, it was orchestrated by a serial killer. Like the 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 Saw character or the the villain in the Saw movies is a serial killer. But 
he doesn't actually directly do anything to the victims. Mm-hmm. He sets up these elaborate, you know, uh, but traps. Isn't it still torture. It's yes, it's torture, but it's not the kind of torture where a person is tied down right. and the torturer is kind of dancing around right. and doing a thing and getting ready. Oh, what I've got a crazy weapon here. What am I going to do with this knife? I could do just about anything. I could. Yeah. Cut your dick yeah, off, so or you're I like could cut your nose anticipating off. Anticipating the worst. That's just it. It's the anticipation right. of what this crazy person's going to do next as the, the victim is tied down. Mm-hmm. There's something about that that is so visceral and awful to me that yeah. I can't even thinking about it terrifies me. And, and, and maybe who knows why? But I just it, it, there's certain things that I can't deal with. Like for example, I can't watch Braveheart. At the end of Braveheart, uh, Mel Gibson's character is is, is t- tied down and tortured and executed. I can't yeah, deal I, with I can't that. watch the the Christ movie either. Yeah, the Passion of the I Christ, can't deal which with is that just movie. T- torture porn. For yes, God's totally. Sake. Yeah, the Rob Zombie movies are torture I porn. I hated that also. But yeah, I don't like that either. But yeah. there's just something about the serial killer mentality. That is is so fascinating to me. On a com- on a completely different note, we watched uh, we finally picked it up, and I mentioned this on the postmortem show. But for those of you who don't listen to the postmortem show, listen to this show. I uh, we couldn't find Pump Up the Volume. Mm. We've been wanting to do watch this movie for a while now. It's been a while since we've seen it, and uh, I want to get prepped to do a a Gen X podcast, maybe like a once a month thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think what we're going to do is we're going to start out the first episode of the, the Gen X podcast is going to be a discussion of Pump Up the Volume. That's which is not one of my the, favorite Gen X movie. Though. But it's 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 one that I it, think it hit a, a lot of yes, different Gen it, X it, beats. It definitely was very Gen X. I mean, I yeah. have my favorites. Yeah. Um, but I would certainly include that movie in in one of the movies that you need to see yeah. if you want to study Gen X. Well, it's it's Christian Slater. It's got a lot of the Gen X mindset mm-hmm. in it. You know, yeah. sort of the anti-establishment, right. uh, almost borderline nihilistic, cynical. Well, points and then of as view. you said, it's like I mean, basically introduced um, podcasting. podcasting. Yeah, <laughs> because the main character has a pirate radio station in his basement, which is completely implausible. Right. I mean, the, the technology <laughs> was complete bullshit in the movie. And like for example. It drove me nuts that he doesn't wear headphones. Yeah. Christian Slater's character doesn't wear headphones in the movie. And you have to wear headphones, otherwise you're going to get terrible, terrible feedback. Um, but at the same time, uh, it, you know, it, it ends up that he becomes this icon. And he even has his own Ziggy Blue. I noticed that, too. There's <laughs> hey, lots, of Ziggy. Th- lots of things to say. We about, love Ziggy. Uh, we, of course we do. And there are lots of things to say about Pump Up the Volume. And we're going to cover it all in the Gen X podcast. But, I mean, one of the things I noticed was there was kind of a ringleader of yeah. the listeners right. who would show up at the, the football field where the reception was the best. And he would kind of orchestrate among the other listeners like, <laughs> okay, here we go. He's coming on. He's going to come on. Sometimes he comes on for five minutes. Sometimes he comes on for five hours. And he's like, he knows everything there is yeah. to know. I was like, hey, look, he's got the, the Christian Slater out of Ziggy Blue in, <laughs> in Pump Up the Volume. Uh, someone who's like knows everything there is to know about the show. So uh, that was fun to yeah, see. Yeah, we're going to, I want to start watching. We also watched the Bad News Bears. Bad News Bears. It's like yeah. the, between the 70s movies, because one of my favorite 70s movies of all time is Little Darlings. Yeah. I fucking love that movie. Cynthia Nixon is in it. And it's so oh, funny because yeah. she's like this little blonde We need to watch child. that one again. I know, it's but such we got to find 70s. it. I think we watched it on YouTube. Because you can't find it anywhere. You can't even buy it on Amazon. Yeah. But it's really a good movie. Oh, you know, there's an E! True Hollywood story on Christy McNichol. Yeah, we have to watch that too. Christy McNichol. I had such a crush on Christy McNichol I think and when I was like seven did. years old. She was so popular. Yeah. She, she was, was like, on that show Family. Remember? She was like on the most popular. She was in the most popular shows and movies and yeah. everything at that time. She was like the it girl. Yeah, totally. In the late 70s. Such a big crush on and then, Christy uh, McNichol. And then in, in, in Little Darlings, it was her and then it was Matt Dillon, who I was completely in love with. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then it was, uh, oh, what's her name? Why can't I remember anybody's name? <laughs> I'm just like getting older. Oh, O'Neal. <laughs> Tatum O'Neal. I love Tatum O'Neal. Yeah, right. And, and I loved her so much in the bad news bears and it's you know the bad news bears is so fucking they would never make that today the 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 kids use the n-word tanner is like a fucking yeah tanner is a maga he's a total (laughs) fucking maga he's saying the n-word he's saying the k-word he's like every (laughs) racial stereotype he's blurting out all those words like scene where mathow was in the on the middle of the field he just fucking passes out because he's drunk drunk and All it's like, the time. but it was so seventies. It was so raw and gritty. Yeah, and it was just, it really captures the feeling of that time. And I think it was like seventy-seven. Yeah, I think it was seventy-seven. Maybe it was a little. I can't remember seventy-eight, but, but still, it was it was such a great movie. And it was kind of a movie. It wasn't necessarily a movie for kids, right? But, but it kids was one that, loved it. Yeah, but kids loved it, and it's just crazy. That that was a movie that was partially marketed to kids. Exactly, because I mean it was time. full. On, I mean that Tanner was an asshole. Yeah, yeah. like full on MAGA. But they would never. I mean, they did a remake of the Bad News Bears with Billy Bob Thornton no. a few years ago, and I'm sure it was. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it, but I would. I don't even. But I would. I would wager that it's nowhere near no. the level of grittiness there, and this honesty. This was like way gritty. And you know what? I, I would say anybody out there who hasn't seen that in a long time, watch it. You will not regret it. I mean, it's Jackie so Earl, entertaining. Jackie Earl Haley must have been 13 <laughs> in the movie. He looked like he was 10, and he's smoking cigarettes. <laughs> and he's flicking them at people. <laughs> driving around on his motorcycle oh my god it's so great yeah. i love that movie just a so great fantastic movie. Yeah. and you know i mean i i didn't realize after i had seen it as an adult you know of course as mm-hmm. a kid you love it and everything but when i saw it as an adult because we watched it several years ago and then yep. we just watched it again it, it just blows my mind that it it really holds up yeah and the acting is superb. Everybody in it is fantastic but when you go and watch it now you're like wow yeah and just again the way what they got away with would never fly these days. Walter Matthau is just endlessly entertaining to mm-hmm. watch. I, you know, I always forget how funny he is, and without even really trying, I think it partially has to do with the, fa- the fact that it, he's funny looking. Yeah, he's a funny looking guy. He looks like Nixon. If, <laughs> if Nixon had a sense of humor, he'd be Walter Matthau. It's just like in that movie, he's hilarious, but again, darkly hilarious. Yeah. It's a dark, Bad News Bears is a dark movie. It is. Especially in the modern context. You look back at it. But from, that's how it was. I mean, I remember the 70s. I was a kid in the 70s, yeah. and that's what it was like. I remember it like that, you know, and, and, and I was reminded that it was like that because you kind of forget, mm-hmm. you know, we, we evolve and we have different uh, standards. And so you kind of roll along and you, you, you forgot. I was like, I wouldn't have even imagined yeah. that it was as gritty as really. But that's what I also like about um, Little Darlings because the whole gist of that movie is they're at a camp and you've got Tatum O'Neill and Christy McNichol against each other. Yeah. Tatum is the rich girl. Christy's the not rich girl who's like the street girl and smokes and everything. So they they make this bet who's going to lose their virginity first. And spoiler, it's from the fucking 70s. So if you haven't seen it, <laughs> too bad. Yeah. Um, so Christy does have sex and lies about it. Yeah. And Tatum doesn't have sex and lies about it. Ah, that's and, right. Um, and Tatum's, it's funny because Tatum is going after Armand Asante, who's <laughs> one of the camp, and he's like so yeah. furry. He's so cute, but miscast, he's so furry. Miscast. I think he was miscast in that movie. He but I, I still that. loved him. And, yeah. and I think that, she, I think he was miscast because girls don't usually like men who are filled with hair and... <laughs> So manly looking. Like when I was a girl, I liked Sean Cass. I liked the, the the younger men that looked like 
girls like Sean Cassidy. Oh, I or see. Leaf Garrett or, some, or pretty Leif men. Garrett. Pretty yeah, the pretty men. boys. Yeah. I think, and and I can't speak for all the little girls, but certainly Armando Sante was not on my radar when I, I, think, I was a teenager. I think you have a little bit of a crush on John Mulaney. No, not at all. <laughs> you don't, but I, really? I, but I absolutely love him. But I don't have a crush. No. Do you I have a, Do you have a crush on Nads? Jerry Nadler? A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. It's the jowls. But I think I think John Mulaney, I bow to him. Yeah. I am so impressed with him. Very funny I think funny he's guy. one of the funniest people that I've ever seen. And what I appreciate appreciate about him more than anything is that as you you know, you describe him as being like a little delightful, mm-hmm. but also got that dark side. Oh, very dark. And so that's what I like. Yeah. I like that he can be delightful and dark. Yeah. And I like that he says fuck. Right. Because when he says it, he says it. Yeah. You, you don't know? you don't expect him, for example, to admit that he used to do a lot of cocaine. You yeah. know, shit like that. Or that he's a smoker. And watch his Larry King interview. His interview with Larry King is actually really great. And also, because you get to look at Larry King, <laughs> who's now just right. me- melting into his chair. Just so fucking but funny. But you know who I, I did He's actually... Like, he said, you know, at one point, John Mulaney... Um, Larry King asked John Mulaney uh, what his one of his first celebrity crushes was. who Like, who his first celebrity crush was. And it wasn't Christy McNichol. It was... Uh, it was... Uh, what's her name from Waterworld? Um, shoot. Who's... Oh, oh, that woman. Yeah. Who's the lead in uh, Waterworld other than look, Kevin Costner? I, I, I know that... I know her name. I'm oh, gonna you're going to look, look, look it up. Yeah, because I can't remember. Well, I still have I to say have, something about Armando Sante. I started this story and then I forgot the Two name things. of the, or the yeah, Jean Triplehorn. Yes, her. Okay. Yeah, so she was, yeah, John Mulaney said, yeah, well, she's I'm pretty. really into Jean Triplehorn in, in Waterworld. And Larry King goes, Waterworld was a bomb. And his, <laughs> his, and his, his voice is getting weird. Usually yeah. I would go, Waterworld was a bomb. Because right. Larry King used yeah. to sound like that. Now he oh, sounds like an old man. His yeah. voice is going. And so, yeah. So Larry King reacts by saying Waterworld was a bomb. As if, as if the know. fact that Waterworld was a bomb Has would, make, to do would with... make Gene Triplehorn not look exactly. great in that exactly. movie. Well, so, when anyway. I was later on in life, in college... I had a typing class at El Camino College in Torrance, California. El Camino. And in, instead of doing whatever work assignment mm. I had to do, I would literally, every day that I had that class, I would go and I would write about running into Armando Sante at the <laughs> Chalet Gourmet, which was on Sunset Boulevard. Jesus. And how, of course, we would have a relationship based on that uh, run-in. And then it was funny because this woman that I knew, she was an actress. You've probably seen her in videos and movies and this and that. She's not like overly famous, but one of those people, if you saw her face, you mm-hmm. might recognize her. Anyway, Armanda Sande hit on her and she was so um, like completely flabbergasted by it and flustered that she didn't hand like, cause like later she's like, Oh my God, he hit on me and I let him go <laughs> like yeah. you idiot. And this was the same person who fucking had sex with Fabio. I'm like, you had sex with Fabio yeah. and you let Armando Sante go? Yeah. What is fucking wrong with you? Even if it wasn't the Fabio, the fact that she had sex with someone named Fabio <laughs> But is it was amazing. the Fabio. Yeah, the Fabio. I mean, she basically, I asked her how he was and she's like pretty much what you'd expect. They need so, to bring back the, good. they need to bring back the name Fabio <laughs> and Armand as names for I used to love babies. Armand. Oh well, my here's, God. Here are the most popular baby names for 2018 while we're talking about names real quick. Girls, baby names, Names, number 10, Evelyn, number nine, Harper, number eight, Amelia, number seven, Mia, very popular name, uh, number six, Charlotte, number five, Sophia, number four, Isabella, number three, Ava, number two, Olivia, and the number one most popular girl's name for 2018 was Emma. 
Hmm. Uh, Not surprising. Uh, you know what? I actually don't mind. I like all of those names. Yeah, they're all great names. The boys' names, not so much. Uh, number 10, Logan. Number <laughs> no. nine, Mason. Number eight, Lucas. Number I like seven, Lucas. Number seven, yeah, Lucas is a good name. Elijah. I think that Elijah like is Elijah. also a good name. Yeah. Number six, Benjamin. Number five, Oliver. Number four, James. Classic, kind of classic yeah. name there. Number three, William, another classic name. Number two, Noah. And the number one uh, name for 2018 for boys, Liam. As in I don't mind those. Liam I think they're Neeson. pretty good names. Yeah. Well, you know, it made me instantly think of George Carlin. Do you ever see that George Carlin bit where he's talking about uh, boys' names and no. how new boys' names are shitty and old, like the old boys? Well, here's George Carlin. <laughs> and I'm getting really sick of guys named Todd. <laughs> it's just a goofy, it's a goofy fucking name, okay? Hi, what's your name? Todd. I'm Todd. And this is Blake and Blair and Blaine and Brent. Where are all these goofy fucking boys' names coming from? Taylor, Tyler, Jordan, Flynn. These are not real names. You want to hear a real name? Eddie. Eddie is a real name. Whatever happened to Eddie? He was here a minute ago. Joey and Jackie and Johnny and Phil, Bobby and Tommy and Danny and Bill. What happened? Todd and Cody and Dylan and Cameron and Tucker. Hi, Tucker. I'm Todd. Hi, Todd. I'm Tucker. Fuck Tucker. Tucker sucks. And fuck Tucker's friend, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. There's another soft name for a boy, Kyle. Soft names make soft people. I'll bet you anything that ten times out of ten, Nikki, Vinny, and Tony will beat the shit out of Todd, <laughs> Kyle, and Tucker. <laughs> of course, it's, it's totally random. He's just picking names and saying those names suck, but it's just the way he does it. His word usage, oh, God, what a, such a fucking genius. Boy, would I love to hear what he had to say about Donald Trump. The Donald Trump. Yeah, really. Oh, my God. To oh, have, I'm sure he's rolling over in his grave. To have George Carlin and Ches Bazienza back right yeah. about now would be fucking yeah. amazing. Um, you know, we were going back to uh, we were talking about uh, Three's Company at the top of the show. <laughs> yeah. And, I, you know, I noticed here that uh, as soon as you know, remember I searched for Suzanne Summers to find yeah. out what her husband's name was. And I did a Google search for Suzanne Summers. The first image to come up is a as a naked picture of Suzanne Summers. Like, do you see? You see, you can actually yeah. see her boobs okay. in that picture. Well, there's a story uh, that was in Men's Health that I thought was just fucking ridiculous. Staring at boobs will help you live longer, says study. Says men. Yeah, says, <laughs> says men. Exactly right. Like this is. Uh, I wonder the sexual makeup of this uh, study of these people. Uh, it's it's invasive and creepy, but according to new research, there may be some method behind the madness and weirdness. Experiencing pleasant emotions can help individuals make better decisions about their health, says a recent report published in the Archives of Internal Medicine. The research tracked 756 people who had either coronary artery disease, high blood pressure, or asthma. In the study, everyone wrote down personal health goals, but only half of the subjects were encouraged to think of positive thoughts when they got up in the morning and make regular self-affirmations throughout the day. 
after a year of positive thinking and pleasant thoughts brought about perhaps by staring at a pair of breasts had a powerful effect on health choices. More than half of the patients with coronary artery disease increased their physical activity versus 37% in the control group who were not asked to write down positive thoughts in the morning. So, you know what? This is just this is just a, a thing about positive thoughts and then men, yeah. men's health spins it into a boob story. <laughs> Because everything sucks. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of shit that sucks, uh, short shorts for men are coming back. Oh, no. Because I'm just not oh, allowed no, to buy clothes no, anymore. Oh, no, no, no. I've got, uh, like it or not, I've got long legs. And now that short shorts are coming back, I'm just more or less fucked. Well, you know what? Just ignore it. I, I can't even deal with the pants situation for men right now. <laughs> I don't, under- I don't understand... Why anyone thinks these like really tight at the bottom and loose at the? It's like yes, men. You know, I had a girlfriend who said something like she didn't like men who look like they had big hips. Well, these kinds of pants make you look like you have big hips, even when you don't. I don't understand. Yes, that's what right. The deal is. I went to. Did I tell the story on the show? I don't remember if I did or not. But I went to a, a sporting goods store. I'm not going to plug the name of the store because they're not paying me to do it. But I went to the sporting goods store because I needed sweatpants to, to wear to the gym. And finding any pants that are 36 inseam is just an impossible task for me. You can't find 36 inseam pants anywhere. It fucking sucks. So I got to like order shit on the internet or get things tailored. It's just a pain in the ass. But, I, but foolishly, I went to the sporting goods store to buy a pair of sweatpants thinking, well, maybe they'll have some that are in my... Because every once in a while, I luck into a 36 inseam somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I did. I found one pair of sweatpants uh, that I, I could deal with the color of them. And uh, they were they happen to be the proper length. So I went into the dressing room and put them on. Well, the first thing is I could barely get my feet <laughs> yeah, through I the know. bottom part of them. I had to like sit down and, and like. They do it with women's pants too. Pull them through. I hate them. The tiny hole. It's like that SNL sketch the other night. We we're just talking about how pants are, or clothing is just holes. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just holes you put your head through and yeah. your arms through and your legs through. Um, but that was the case. I couldn't put my feet through the fucking holes at the bottom of the pants. And then once I finally were able to pry the bottom part of the pants on, I hike them up and there's like, suddenly it's like pants for a different person. Yeah. Suddenly it's like pants for John Goodman or something. Yeah, I know. And that's the thing, I mean, they do that with women's pants. It is not flattering on the way I'm shaped. It's just all this fabric and then just the crotch is like down and around my knees. Yeah, it's just, it looks bad. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't don't understand understand why. And the women's pants are are very similar in that everything is pegged in at the bottom and, and then loose at the top. And it, again, my shape, it is not flattering. Yeah, I, I have a very spe- I have very big bones, and so and wide shoulders, broad shoulders. So I need to have some kind of either a scoop neck or a V neck. And I went shopping a couple of months ago because we were going to go to that play, and I thought, well, I'm going to go look for some. Um, we went to see uh, a Christmas Carol at the yeah. Ford's Theater, right? So I, I thought, well. I couldn't find one fucking thing. I was at Macy's. I was at a whole bunch of different stores, and everything the way that it was cut. I look like a linebacker. I look 25 pounds heavier. It just, it's just not flattering. I like simple, simple, basic clothes. And I like to have like, a, like I said, a scoop neck or a V-neck. Try to find that now. It's, it's so difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I Except know. I feel it out. And, and you know, it's, it's hard to, to complain. No, no one weeps. I always say this. No one weeps for the tall people. Right. But the fact is, well, the, everybody, you know, they make clothes for this certain small group of people. Right. And then and what's really upsetting now is that, 
they've gone crazy with what they determine as large and extra large. Right. It, it's like you have to, sometimes I'm, I'm six feet tall and while I'm not as thin as I would like to be, I'm certainly not obese, but sometimes the only thing I can fit in because of the way that my shoulders and hips are is like a double X. Yeah. I'm like, I've never in my life, I still fit into, I, I basically take between uh, like an 11, 12. Yeah. That's about what I take. Never in the history of my life was that an XX. Mm-mm. It is now. Yeah. Go go to, you know, especially the less expensive clothing stores. Sometimes I just like to get summer tank tops at, you know, some of these little stores that don't have, you know, they're not brand name stores or anything like mm-hmm. that. But, you know, you can get that like, you know, tank tops for like five bucks. And I like to get a whole bunch of them. Yeah. And it's like. X, X, X? What are you kidding me? Yep. I've never, again, I'm not as thin as I used to be, but it's not, I mean, I only went up one size. I know, I know. And with me, I have to go to like triple X to get sleeves that fit. And then the the actual shirt part is is like gigantic. The actual part of the shirt that goes over my torso is just like a tent just to get (laughs) arms or sleeves that go all the way down. I want to get the holes. So then I guess we just have to start walking around naked. I think so. I think that's a great (laughs) idea. Like we do around the house. Just expand that out to, you know, going to the store, going to our parents' house naked, which is my my, uh, dick shaped like a banana and disguised that way too. All right. Well, on that note, we will wrap up today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Thank you for subscribing on Patreon. Have a great weekend. And uh, by the way, you can listen to uh, Kimberly's podcast at patreon.com slash start me up. Make sure you support her over there. We had a good show. Let me just say on Wednesday, I I talked with Lorraine Devin Wilkie. She's fucking fabulous. We had a great conversation and it's like, to get us to shut up, I, 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 I'm like, okay, we have to stop talking now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, I have to, I have to, you know, anyway. Go talk we to had a lot to, no, 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 I was just saying that Lorraine oh. and I All right, had a right. lot to say. Yeah. Anyway. That's the best kind of podcast to do. Yes. All right, have a great weekend. We'll see you on Tuesday. Bye-bye. Bye. We're in New York City. But you never came. To call out the evening. Oh, the assumptions we made And it crosses my mind That the future may find you bewildered And a different game Waiting for dreams of your own Kansas evening, and 
is a fucking idiot. God bless the United States.